So welcome back to another episode of the podcast Avis, a podcast that, as you know, we, we've been working to share about technology for AEC. Uh, how can we use it? How can we implement it in different uh, workflows, different environments? Uh, today we have a new guest, Wasim Havi. Uh, such an honor to have you here, uh, creator of Topology, uh, an application for Dynamo. And I think at the moment it's being built in Blender as well. Uh, yep. It's uh it's an honor to have you today. We we know we we have been following a little bit of your work, definitely using your application and different uh, workflows that we use in in our company Aves. And uh, welcome, Wasim. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me and invite me. I'm looking forward to having a conversation about topologic with you. Yeah. No, it's gonna be great. But uh, before that, why why don't you tell us a little bit about about you, Wasim and. Uh, how did you start like uh, creating these these applications where this this all sure. this process start you know sure uh, i mean i'm i'm trained as a as an architect i i went through architecture school and uh did my masters and phd at uh, the university of michigan and at that time at michigan we were actually um working with a research group creating uh, our own cat software and 3d modeling software And at that time, actually, we were working on something called non-manifold topology without me knowing that it is non-manifold. As a student, I had no idea what, what that is. But it was trying to represent a building uh, using uh, simple lines, almost like a network of lines that would later on be uh, thickened into a, a piece of architecture. So the idea is that there is a conceptual uh, model, and then from that model, you get a building but you work on that conceptual model. So uh, at that time, as a student, you kind of, you know, your professors are working on these ideas. Not You don't necessarily get exactly what they are doing, but you kind of participate in the research and, and contribute to it. Okay. So, um, and then I, I did my dissertation on something else, computer-supported collaborative work. And, uh, you know, and then at a certain point, I moved to uh, the Welsh School of Architecture at Cardiff and started working. Uh, the Well School of Architecture is has a long tradition in uh, building simulation, building performance uh, simulation. So I started uh, getting more involved in that and wanted to see how I can allow designers to do building performance simulation in the early phases of design without going into the very, very intricate science of building performance simulation, which you know it, it can be quite quite difficult for architects to, to grasp. But I wanted to present something very simple for them. And obviously, based on my training, uh, you know, the idea of uh, doing simple forms, but that are kind of connected in some way, because in building and performance simulation, you need to know adjacencies, you know, you need to know the rooms that wall separate, etc. So uh, at a certain point, I went to a workshop that was given by uh, Professor Robert H at Autodesk. He was with Autodesk at that point. Uh, because he was talking about design script, which is the language that's used in Dynamo. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, at that time, also Dynamo was, was starting to become, you know, um, something, something new and popular, something that Autodesk is, is promoting. Now, okay. in, in design script, Robert A. showed a feature at the very, very end of the presentation where, you know, he talked about something called non-manifold topology. And I was like, What, you know, what is that? You know, I needed to, to look it up later on. But he was saying, basically, he can think of a building 
as a set of uh, cells that can be divided. So you get the, the overall envelope and then you slice it into planes and you get cells. And because of that, you can do energy analysis. And that kind of, of course, you know, a bulb lit up in me. I was like, oh, okay, so I can use that for energy analysis. So I started investigating it, and definitely it is very compatible with the input requirements of energy analysis software. So I started developing it with DesignScript and uh, AutoCAD, because that's where DesignScript was actually first hosted. And that was successful. We did, we connected it to Energy Plus and Open Studio, and we were able to do some, some interesting thing and color code them, etc. But this is like a, we're talking about like what five years ago, six? No, this is 2000, 2013, 2014, okay. something like that. Okay. Um, I think it was about 2014. I'm, I'm not sure on the on the history of it. But at a certain point, they moved design script and all that work into Dynamo. Mm -hmm. kind of embedded it into Dynamo. And at the same time, I believe, is when uh, Professor H left Autodesk and became a visiting professor at UCL, at the Bartlett. Okay. Uh, so I started uh, talking to the team that is doing Dynamo because Robert had, had left, so I was talking to them and explaining to them how important non-manifold topology is. Okay, uh, and uh, that it really should be supported and should be kept in in Dynamo. And if you search, if you Google me talking to uh, Luke and talking to Aparajit and talking to all these guys at at uh, and and Ian Kiyo even at that time was part of the team still. Um, I was pleading with them to to continue to have it, uh, but unfortunately they they replied that. Um, a lot of people don't understand what it is. Uh, they did not actually see the importance of it. They said, yes, Robert was promoting it, but it did not have a good take up in the market. And there were some te technical difficulties they mentioned um, okay. and they would not include it, unfortunately. Okay. So I, I left, I, you know, I, I, I was left with a, you know, I'm a researcher, I need to publish, I need to do research, and the tools that I need are not there anymore. So I need to start searching for an alternative. And ironically, I found a solution in another Autodesk product that had non-manifold topology, which is 3D Studio Max. So okay. 3D Studio Max had non-manifold topology, it's embedded in it, it's supported in a very ad hoc way, but it's there. So I used it and again, ported all my software and connected it again to Open Studio and uh, Energy Plus, and that was successful, we published on it. Okay. But I reached a bit of a, of a dead end with it because as I said, it's not supported very, very well. So I went and contacted Robert H. I, I had invited him at a certain point, he, uh, Acadia, I was president of Acadia, which is you know the Association for Computer Design and Architecture. We had given him an award. So he, he knew me and I, I knew him. So I reached out to him and I said, Robert, listen, I've, I've tried the Autodesk team. They're really nice people. They're doing amazing things with Dynamo. But this issue of non-manifold topology, it doesn't look like it's gonna happen. Uh, so we cannot wait anymore. How about if you and I uh, put in a proposal, a research proposal to get funded uh, to do, you know, to create that software from scratch? Nice. And obviously, this was a very kind of long shot, but we looked around, we found that the Leverhulme Trust is a foundation that supports innovative uh, projects that are offbeat a little bit out of the mainstream. And we, you know, 
we wrote down a we wrote a proposal, three hundred thousand pounds, submitted it. Uh, at that time, uh, 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 Chuck Eastman and Arto Kapanemi from Liverpool, uh, you know, were the referees on it, and they 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 saw the importance of it and supported us on it, and we got it. Nice. Uh, and that was two thousand and sixteen. Okay, so not not that long ago. No, not long not long ago at all. So from this was a three-year project. Uh, we embarked on, you know, this research. We hired two research associates. One of them uh, came to us from Singapore, I believe. He was at, and uh, he was a computer science graduate, uh, expert in gaming. Uh, and we started this journey of defining what we want to do. But, you know, now that we we have the funding and we have three years. We need to kind of set set the stage for it, and that's where uh, Topologic uh, came from. It, it you know the the PIs were myself and and Robert H. And Topologic right now, the intellectual property for it is owned by Cardiff University and UCL uh, 50-50. Obviously, it's open source, free forever, <laughs> uh, as as you know. That's dear and near and dear to my heart. But uh, <laughs> but the intellectual property is owned by these two universities. I mean, it's, it's it's part of the process at the end of the day. Like, uh, there's always a moment where if you want to keep doing this or developing a project, well, uh, you you have to split the the properties or make it uh, uh, make money from it. Make uh, you know, investing time for free the whole time is is also complex. Especially, I mean, topology is a amazing application, and myself, I'm a user of topology, right? But uh, I, I don't know if I had the knowledge to actually build it from scratch, which is another story as well. Uh, so definitely not easy, but um, but sorry, keep going, please. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, I, I think knowing from your questions, I think you're going to ask. So and I think your audience is probably like, so what is topologic anyway? So what what, what does it do? What, and it is really difficult to, to explain it sometimes, but I'll, I'll try my best. Uh, I hinted at it before, which I said, you don't deal with the, co the complexity of the building itself. You deal with something simpler, but that controls that complex building. So think of, for example, um, I, I usually use the example, because I, I don't know any better, I use the example of a puppet, you know, the, the, the marionettes. And the marionette itself, the actual doll, is quite complex, right? It, it has It's painted, it has articulated arms and legs and it, you know it has a lot of complexity to it but the puppeteer does not move it by itself right does not put his or her hands on it and move it they have strings and they have a simple uh, device that controls it mm -hmm. and you think of topologic as that device it is simple but it is con well connected so that it can control that complex object at the end so we want topologic to be a a very simple but rigorous conceptual model, but not just the conceptual model that kind of gets left behind after the conceptual design phase is done. It continues to be the control mechanism for future BIM models. As long as you can embed it, and as long as you can embed, it, embed rules about how it controls the BIM model, you can keep using it and using it at a distance rather, you know, at a distance from the BIM model, I mean, rather than dealing with the BIM model itself. So when we sat down around the table in 2016 and said, okay, guys, we got, we got the money 
so how do we design this thing? What do we do? The first thing we needed to, to uh, decide on is do we write our own engine? Do we write everything from scratch? Or do we use something existing? Now, we knew that non-manifold uh, part of design script and Dynamo was using ASM, the Autodesk Shape Manager. Okay. It had, uh, had um, non-manifold built into it that we could have used it. But we were looking for something free and something open source and able to, uh, to do non-manifold. So we decided to go with an existing engine rather than write our own. We didn't want to reinvent the wheel. We only had three years, so we didn't think we had the time. So we published a paper where we compared, I don't know, a handful, 10 engines, I can't remember, uh, where we compared how they represent things, how they talk about them, and do they support non-manifold, and are they licensed in a way that we can use? And we focused and found uh, Open Cascade. Okay. So Open Cascade turned out to be a fantastic choice for us because it's LGPL, so it is uh, free to use, uh, and it is robust. It's a very old uh, engine; has been it's very mature. I mean, it has a lot of uh, methods to it. And something we did not know, of course, at that time, is that FreeCAD uses it, uh, IFC OpenShell uses it. Uh, you know, obviously Blender Bin because it uses the IFC open shell, it, it uses that. Uh, and there are a lot of these open source software that you see now are all actually using uh, Open Cascade. Oh, nice. So it is a really good solid foundation for that. It was it was a it was a the choice the path to to follow, right? Yes, uh, I, I think you know when you are looking for a robust engine. Uh, existing engine that can do a lot of things and is free, you know, so that you, you know, is open source and free that so that you can use it. I think the choice is narrowed down to a few and, and Open Cascade is the, is the main one. And that's, and that was for us very lucky because I can talk now, Topologic can talk to FreeCAD, can talk to IFC OpenShell, I can get BRAPs really easily uh, because we are all using the same underlying engine. Okay. And but when you look at Open Cascade and how it does things, obviously uh, it is a little bit more complex. So what we needed to do is write an abstraction layer on it uh, that is more sensible, more you know explainable to architects and designers and computational designers. So we decided, okay, we're going to have something called a vertex and something called an edge and something called a wire and a face and, and then a cell. And then if you connect these cells together and they are all sharing faces, we call that a cell complex. And then if you want to mix and match everything, we call that a cluster. So we created these uh, hierarchical uh, classes going from the very simple to what we imagined is the most complex, which is just a grouping of things. And then we sat down you know, with a, with a whiteboard and meetings for over months. What are the methods? What, are the, what, you know, what do you call? How do, what does it return? What does it do? Uh, so what what kind of vertex do? Okay, we can create a vertex by giving it X, Y, Z, and you can yeah. get the X, Y, Z back. You know, that's obviously the simplest <laughs> one. And then you go from there. But we also, you know, decided this is about topology. This is about how things are connected. So we need to be able to ask any entity about this, what I call the situation it finds itself in. Okay. So, you know, a cell in a building somewhere, like a room in a building somewhere, should be able to tell you uh, what is you know on the left, what's on the right, what's above it, what's below it. Yeah. And I find it 
extremely surprising that in current BIM systems, it's actually not that easy to go to a room and say, you know, what's beneath you? Like very quickly, can you tell me like, are you, are you a dance floor? And then beneath you is a library and it needs to be quiet and you're dancing, right? I mean, it, yeah. it actually is a pragmatic question. Like, you know, uh, I need to know, but you need to actually maybe write scripts or investigate the model a little bit more to, to get that answer. And yeah, top, what Topologic does is it answers it really quickly. Oh, it's, it's totally true. Like sometimes, sometimes even when we see technology and we see all these BIM softwares already on the market and people using them, we believe that uh, we are really advanced. And when and actually that happened to me when I started like, using topology for the first time. Like I was like, oh my god, I, I, this is really easy using topology. Like now that it, that these um, uh, tools are existing, these classes, this programming exists, is so so easy to do. Like, uh, consult the model in a really different way. But you can do it like uh, you can simplify your code. You can simplify the script that you build to to actually make all these questions because it's true. Like uh, just to it took a while also like just to know like uh, where does a door access from like a room to a room in in, yep. in Revit, you know. And this is a well, let's say that this is a simple operation in terms of uh, <laughs> uh, of, of of software. But uh, topology actually gives you a lot of uh, information if you actually use it properly, and it's so cool that. Uh, and just like you were saying, like it's really nice that you can ask not only what is next, but you can also ask what's above and what's below. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You no, know, that's that's brilliant from that side. Yeah, I mean, and you can also ask, obviously. So, what are all the other things that are connected to this yeah. entity, so that you can you can start, uh, you know, analyzing analyzing your building in, in different ways. Now, uh, this can look like magic. Uh, when, when you're first dealing with topologic, because you know, also how, how does it know that these things are connected? Uh, the price you pay for that magic to happen is that you need to uh, build very clean geometries and very clean topologies so that they are they can be connected. Okay. Uh, if they are not, topologic is not some you know it, it doesn't have superpowers to yeah. to make the model clean for you. Uh, the other, the other um, misconception about topologic or misuse of topologic, uh, which is understandable, but very unfortunate, that we predicted it in our proposal. If you look at our proposal, it says, most people are going to ask us to do the following, which is to take a BIM model, which has been created and converted into a topology, into a topologic model so that we can analyze it. Mm -hmm. And as I tweeted recently, I said, this is like, shutting the barn doors after the horses have bolted, after they have left. You've already created a BIM model, which is in most cases, unfortunately, not well-made or not logically made. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to now trace, trace, trace back and, and try to create a logical model out of it. Yeah, but uh, this, 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 this tends to be applied to any kind of like a project, right? Like uh, when you have a bad model, you have a bad model. And there's not much that you can do with the information. There's not much you can do with the parameters. There's not like a proper structure in the in the model or in the information. Is is it's just like this kind of um, images that we see, like uh, the difference between clean data and just data, right? Yes, <laughs> data can be just like a bunch of elements, and yeah. when you have it clean, you can use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just, you know trying to get room boundaries out of something that might be leaking and so all of, all of these things. Uh, so what we 
our mantra has always been complexity last, not first. So okay. basically, you tr- in your design, we want to change the design process. I mean, we are maybe a bit too ambitious. I don't know, but uh, Robert and I said, if we're going to make an impact on on the AEC industry, we need to tell them that they need to change their ways. Otherwise, we are all stuck in our old ways. Uh, And that change is about creating a a kind of a strategy for your design before you design it. And creating the control surfaces, creating the conceptual model that is very active, and then creating your architectural language. Uh, I think a lot of architectural firms almost have an implicit architectural language, okay. uh, you know, which can be expressed as in precedence, you know, and things that they've done in the past can be expressed in rules, uh, shape grammars saying, here's how we detail this corner of the building. Here's how we do our foundations. Here's how, how we do our building envelopes. Um, so those are rules that they have uh, embedded in people's minds or maybe in previous projects or you know written somewhere in a notebook but they're not formalized and yeah. my i think our uh, mission for the next maybe you know 10 years is to formalize those rules and give them a system that allows them to encode those rules and and okay. implement them when they need to implement them no and, and so that's, that, that's so that it's not a mystery how things happen Oh, that's great because changing the concept of how we design in AEC, I think is it's something that is happening at the moment. A lot of people is trying to make a research or digging how can they change this uh, traditional architecture frame where they just came up with some lines and uh, yeah, I have some lines and let's make this pe- look beautiful, <laughs> which, yeah. uh, you know, that was, uh, that was for a while, like the process and, even even when I was uh, going in my in in the at the university, like uh, remember how my professors used to be like, look at the space, how it is conceived, and, and uh, look at the detail of this brick. And today, well, I I don't say that is something that is um bad, but I really like it. But nowadays, yeah. it's completely different. It's like, okay, how can we do it? This uh, replicate these uh, kind of like panels and use them for this and. And technology gives you like this whole new way of conceiving design and uh, understanding the process rather than just um, uh, just tripping, I will say. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, it, it really allows you to organize structure uh, and topology is, is brilliant for it. Like even topology, you, can, you just don't use it like uh, just topology inside Dynamo, but you also can connect it with all the different uh, applications that uh, other people is building also in, inside Dynamo. So it's, yep. um, this is also great, uh, by the way. And uh, great that you are changing the way we conceive design because I think thanks to this kind of applications, thanks to people like you, Wasim, uh, people that is uh, looking for this kind of change, uh, we have more opportunity to understand it. And uh, thank you. Yeah, really appreciate I mean, it. <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we see topologic. I mean, first of all, topologic right now, I would I would describe it as as an idea more mm-hmm. than the. I mean, what's important about it is really the idea behind it rather than the actual software. If you look at the code. My gosh, I mean, you know, we're all amateurs <laughs> doing this code, so it can be can be optimized, can be made made a lot faster. It can make some professional programmers probably cringe to see to see the code, <laughs> but but it, the idea is what's important, which is to say, 
you know, create, uh, as, uh, and this is a quote from Robert H. really, he says, you know, create the lightest possible models that are almost like the most useful or that carry the most amount of information. So can you balance these two things? Can you lower the complexity of the model and just embed it with a lot of information? And that's what we have we have done, uh, which is we did obviously topology and geometry go hand in hand, but also we added a layer of uh, semantics on top of it, so that you can embed, you know, in the in a single vertex or in a single line or in a single face, you can embed information. And this information is not like just other dictionaries and attributes, you know, cost and stuff like that. Yes, we can do that. But it also can affect the topological operation itself. Okay. So the example I always give is, uh, you know, imagine you are building, you know, a tower and it has an atrium in the middle. And now comes the time to slice it horizontally to create floors. If you're doing that in a kind of a normal 3D modeling, you have to pay, pay attention to the atrium to take it out of the modeling operation, slice the rest of it, and then put it back in so that it stays continuous if you do not want to slice it horizontally. So let's say you have like a vertical uh, continuous atrium in the middle. Okay. In topologic, you can just simply say uh, that this is an atrium and then put a rule in that atria or atriums do not get sliced. They just, you know, they resist slicing. And even if it is in the middle of your building and you are slicing, just because it has that information, it will not be sliced. It will end up whole at the at the other end. Nice. So these types, you know, so you can, as I said, you put information, but also that information is active and you can reflect on it and you can write rules about how that information can, can work. Like for example, uh, the other example I give is you're designing your building or your house and you have a space titled living room and another space titled kitchen, and somehow they intersect, right? They create a new space in between them because you brought the two spaces together. Immediately, the new space knows that it is the derivation of a living room and a kitchen. It knows okay. that. It, it just, the, the DNA of the parents come into this new space, and therefore that new space can make a decision for itself that it's going to be, for example, a informal breakfast area. Okay. Because it is an intersection of a living room and a kitchen. Um, if it was an intersection between the living room and a balcony space, it might create like a semi-sheltered space of some sort or some transitional space. But when, when we do geometric operations on our, our objects in topologic, the dictionaries get combined and get transferred to the new entities that are being created. Okay. So, and they, they get all merged together. So at the end, you can reflect on them and say, okay, what did I get? And then you can classify them and, and analyze them and take actions based on that. Yeah, and dictionaries are amazing. Like, uh, it's an amazing way to understand where is your geometry, how your geometry is, in, is doing, uh, is living, how it's iterating with other elements. Um, yeah. First time that I got into the concept of dictionaries, to be honest, I was a little, loss uh, on how they work but once you understand them and once you you see the value of this is is great especially when we talk about like huge buildings you know when we talk about hospitals which where we have tons of rooms tons of corridors uh, specific areas for uh, different uh, operations and stuff or, where, or when we talk about data centers where we have a lot of uh, 
infrastructure in the buildings and every part of the building has to really be organized and related to something. It becomes really complex to have a control of the information just by, even just by using a BIM model, we're supposed to have all the information already. Just to create yeah. the information and do like a consult, it's, it tends to be really difficult, to be honest. Uh, and we know that uh, we still like building bigger because basically sometimes we need to build bigger. It's not something that uh, just happened uh, because we want it, but it's a tendency. Yeah. Of, uh, of some of some uh, cities, uh, cities tend to grow. Uh, uh, maybe they're gonna not grow as fast as they used to. I don't know. <laughs> just just guessing here. But uh, but the information we have in the buildings, uh, it tends to be really valuable. And if we wanna have a proper operation, proper maintenance, proper uh, process of building it, uh, definitely we we know we are dealing with tons and tons of uh, data that uh, it's really important to organize and. Uh, just like that, like like I think topology is just uh, when you do, when you use it in a concept uh, with a few with an exercise that is simple, it's uh, it gives you the understanding of it. But then you see the value of actually knowing, just like you were saying, like uh, it's not just that we are we're going to know the the value of knowing that something is between kitchen and and, uh, and living room, <laughs> but uh, when we talk about uh, multiple uh, and a bigger building, we. There's a lot yeah. of value on knowing all these connections, all these relations, and um, yeah. it's great to have it. On, 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 on that note, I mean, I have to mention uh, a research that I'm doing, a research collaboration I'm doing with Theo Dunas, okay. who is an, is an expert in, in blockchain technology and how blockchains can be used in the AEC nice. industry. And what the we are working step. on right now is to... Uh, use topologic as the container for uh, material passports. So basically, because of the dictionaries, we can uh, imbue every element of the building with, with a material passport, which okay. kind of carries through. And that can be, again, uh, encoded on, on a blockchain later on. And when it comes down time to disassemble the building, you can get all these materials back and you can know which can, what can be recycled, how can it, how can it be dismantled. And eventually, all of that will create a circular economy, of course. So yeah. it's it's a really fantastic, uh, really fantastic idea, you know. And and we, as you said, we when when we have a lot of complexity with cities and large buildings and complex buildings, we need to know where the stuff is and how it is connected. And that's what you know. That's that's exactly what topologic does. We, we know where things are and how they are connected. And that's that's what is important. Yeah, and, and, and this is this is brilliant because like in the future. Uh, well, for people that is developing technology, they they sell the system, right? But for people that actually owns the building, like now, you like just like like selling back the elements that you have in your the building, right? And uh, and trying to access to this circular economy where you don't just build and like the traditional way you ha you build, you have a building there for like sixty years, and you just give maintenance to the building. But like if you actually know exactly how you build your pieces, how they are connected. And if you we can dismantle buildings to improve uh, next generation, uh, that will be brilliant. Instead of just uh, uh, just like this image just came to my mind, like where where you see like uh, these uh, buildings just to be blown with dynamite and then they just fall. And yeah, so lots of heat and we want to yeah. waste. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we can actually use a lot of these elements back if we if we really pay attention to them. If we really change the perception of how we build, you know, like uh, something that I, something that I also 
uh, thing a lot is like a, a building is going to be existing at least for a hundred years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe the building is not gonna. Well, it's definitely gonna live more than 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 myself. <laughs> uh, and it's really good to know that if we actually do a nice job, we can actually grab, leave information for for next generations to understand how exactly. to they extract instead of just uh, keep this kind of like a, a process that we have at the moment where we just go and get materials from the environment, <laughs> from nature, and we don't recycle almost anything. And, uh, and and we can change that. Like, think, I think we are part of that change. And, and technology for me is the tool and the support that uh, gives you access to be capable of doing this. Otherwise, it's super complex. <laughs> yeah, and and we are, and unfortunately, the AEC industry uh, is so much behind. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, when when I hear the news that Apple, you know, has has these robots that will disassemble an old iPhone and just recycle yeah. as much as they can automatically. I mean, they just put it in and the robot yeah. comes in and this is, you can imagine that, you know, we should have that for buildings. I mean, the scale is so much larger and the, the waste yeah. is so much bigger that it's it's a complete shame that we don't have these processes where at the end of life, we can actually disassemble and recycle as much as we can. But also that has to do with how we built it in the first place. We build in ways that cannot be disassembled, which yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> Compare that to the car industry or to the you know aerospace yeah. industry. It's we're way way behind. Yeah, totally. We 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 still need to break a lot of paradigms about the way we construe we design. Uh, for yeah. me, one of the first uh, things that I think we 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 have to learn and we have to start like sharing with the community about how we conceive uh, construction is that we have to stop just thinking about the the unique design. You know the. Uh, yeah. trying to understand the, the value of using like a uh, panelization uh, pieces that can be uh, uh, recyclable and just uh, forget a little bit about the crazy shapes that we always want to achieve and, and I still see a lot of architects just going for the for the beauty of it and beauty has a, a big sacrifice uh, according to the to the life cycle and to sustainable design you know uh, yeah. You cannot replicate nothing. It's just. It's, it's I don't. I don't think. I don't think uh, beauty is incompatible with this kind of you know systematized approach. I mean, there are beauty. I mean, you know, as I yeah, said, totally. uh, an iPhone is a is a beautiful object of desire. A car, you know, is a beautiful object of desire, and it still can be disassembled, and it's made yeah, out totally. of standard components that can come from all over the world, and they get get assembled together and disassembled later on and sold again. Uh, and they are still beautiful, beautiful objects. Uh, architecture can still continue to be that, uh, but still be uh, very sustainable and very, uh, you know, uh, modular and fabric. You know, can be fabricated in, in factories rather than you know everything bespoke, everything expensive. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally true. Like, uh, it's just it's just changing how we how we go for and how we approach the beauty of the of the design. And how we pick materials, how we choose to to connect them, so we can know like we we, we are able to do, uh, make a mountable building and dismount the building as well, without yeah. without uh, it's just a thinking process, I guess, more than uh, just thinking about the beauty itself. But yeah, I agree with you. Like uh, it's how we do, how we approach the beauty of the of the building itself, right? Yeah, and we we absolutely need need better tools to enable us to do that. We currently we really do, we are dealing with with crayons. I, I think when we when we're comparing to other 
uh, industries in terms of the capabilities of the software that that we have. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And Wasim, how do you see that, or how do you consider that these methods, such as, as topology, is going to affect in the future of the next generations? Like how it's going to affect the AC? Um, I can only comment on on how I see it being used now, and you know, sort of like by my students, who I see as obviously going to be the next generation. They're going out into firms, and they they might carry topologic with them. That would be really fantastic if they if they do that. And uh, one thing about about this new generation that I I don't I haven't done when I was studying is their amazing ability to put together a whole uh, set of tools uh, and that whole ecosystem for themselves. Okay. So they would choose a platform, let's say, or a couple of platforms, and then they would pick and choose all sorts of plugins, all sorts of things that uh, will enable them to do a, a process. And okay. they absolutely have no fear of combining things with each other. So if, if they hit a brick wall with topologic, they might convert it back into geometry, run it through a different process, and then at a certain point, bring it back into topologic to continue the work. Obviously, topologic is not, it's not perfect, or it's not a complete ecosystem. Okay. So we, we, need, we need to perhaps enable that. We need to make sure that uh, we have platforms that allow a lot of variety to happen. I'm always, um, I'm always suspicious of systems that tell you, we're going to give you the whole ecosystem in one environment. Okay. Even if it is Dynamo, even if it is Grasshopper, even if it is Firstshock and Blender, uh, or even if it's a web-based uh, ecosystem, uh, what I find is that we need the ability to jump. We need to be ability to change uh, platforms. And that can only happen with standardization of exchange of formats. We need, we need the format to be robust we need to have APIs. We need to be able to have, you know, communication. Uh, if it's direct communication, well, whether it's web-based or anything else, uh, mm -hmm. but we need to enable that a lot for our AEC. So basically, we need a common language. Okay. Now, some say, "Oh, it's IFC," and some people say, "Well, no, mm -hmm. IFC is very difficult and it's text-based and it's horrible and <laughs> and this should be JSON or should be whatever it is," um, and. But we, we need that kind of integration without creating a behemoth where uh, only one person has the key. Yeah. Uh, and this is why I really kind of tune into open source uh, because it, it tells you that not one person has the key. Nobody has just a single solution. Everybody has access, everybody can contribute. And if something fades, something else can, can become brighter. And this is this is what I like about open source, uh, and that's what I like also about blockchain. There is no central authority. You don't have, you know, a gatekeeper that will tell you what you can and cannot do. Uh, it is it is the community, and it kind of that invisible hand of many people kind of contributing. That's what I find really exciting about it. Yeah, no, and and totally also complex about when when we talk about common environments because a lot of people is building common environments. A lot of people is giving opinions. Uh, every opinion, I think, is valuable because it's definitely experience. It's, it's uh, another perspective of how we use the technology, how we use the common environments. It's like you were saying, IFC. Uh, 
I'm I myself I'm I I don't know if I use IFC a lot or not. I I wouldn't put it like that, <laughs> but yeah. um, but I know it's a valuable technology or a valuable common environment for a lot of users. You know, uh, I think everyone that has been in the practice of uh, using models for a while have used at least once an IFC model and uh, mm-hmm. and has interacted with it and has seen the the capacities of an IFC model and also the challenges of using an IFC model. Uh, and how how we take care and how we how we plan i think like at the end of the day even if we have the common environments like uh the thing that is not a is not a still a or is not going to be done by the technology itself is the planning and the strategy that you want to pursue to actually approach a project or approach the common environment and i think that's also uh, important for everyone to to understand like technology doesn't really like uh i mean topology itself allow us to have solutions. But if we don't have the proper planning or the proper strategy to use topology or to use an IFC or a common environment, uh, we're going to end that up in uh, just straight in a wall, you know, uh, yeah. and, and going over. But if you actually plan properly and you know how to use the technology uh, such as topology to maybe use it in your strategy, then this gives you a possibilities to actually have a better product and a better uh, way to connect with the rest of the team. Yeah, and and I'm I'm optimistic that this this is going to happen. I mean, I'll give you the example of uh, my my colleague, my friend Ahmed Al Dahlawi, who's from with uh, Ipro Consult in Germany, and he's he's a, one of the super users of Topologic. You know, he's one of the few that actually is implementing it in his firm, which is a you know fairly large uh, architectural engineering services firm, um, and he is doing exactly what you're saying in that. Uh, he is uh, designing not the building. He's he's designing the process by which decisions are made, and the building design evolves. So um, you know he's starting I mean, in his his own process. He starts with actually with TestFit. So okay. you know TestFit.io is 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 a you know early planning type of software. But he takes these TestFit models, whether you like them or not. That's completely a different <laughs> issue. But yeah. uh, but he starts with that uh, and then uh, runs it through Topologic in order to uh, rationalize it and get all the information embedded in it. Okay. So he, he uses Topologic to embed it completely. Like he infuses it with all the information. What rooms are connected to what? Where are the circulation? Where you know where are the exterior walls, the interior walls? Everything about the building, even before it's built, is already in that information. And it's already in that model, excuse me. And then he takes this information and converts it into Revit models. And Mm -hmm. and he gets very, very clean, very rationalized Revit models at the end because he has all that information already in there, all very well organized. Okay. And it is a, in itself, the whole process, the whole workflow that he has created, in itself, it's almost like a beautifully designed architectural project. I mean, he uses his skills as a designer not to design the building, but to design the actual process. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what we need to teach our students. That's what we need to teach architects. Uh, I, I tell my students, I'm going to teach you to become a chef, basically. <laughs> not, I mean, I'm not going to teach you how to you know, eat this food, this beautiful food that I'm going <laughs> to give you, but how to cook it yourself. And uh, you, know, you have to have an organized mind. And you have to design it exactly like you are designing a building, you know, inputs, outputs, processes, circulation, all of that. You are, but you are designing basically a workflow. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's great. Like uh, 
Because I think that's just the first step. Uh, and when, when we see firms, uh, uh, I will say that maybe universities, some universities, some firms are way ahead of uh, many companies. And, and these, these firms and these, uh, uh, on these universities that are having successes because they are really changing the paradigm, changing the conception of, this, uh, of how we use tools uh, way better to know how to cook than just uh, become a okay. chef by, by recipes, like perfect recipes. But when you know like the ingredients and you mix them, then you yeah. can actually keep creating new ways, uh, new, new foods, new, 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 new dishes, right? Uh, yeah. Which is more and more valuable. I still believe that there's no only one technology that uh, solves everything. And just like you, you were saying, like uh, mixing maybe test fit with topology, maybe you mix Dynamo with uh, uh, topology engineering design, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And you, when you start like knowing more and more ingredients about uh, the things that are out there, like the combination tends to be better, the outputs and the results uh, tends to be even greater than uh, things that we we have seen before. And um, we're running a little bit out of time, uh, wasn't but uh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, went, went really fast. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's been a great conversation so far. But uh, what's your what's your uh, perspective for the change of our industry for the next uh, for the coming years? Like, uh, how do you see maybe topology uh, being being applying the future of uh, AEC, or, or what's what's your vision for it? I mean, it's not—it's not a—it's not, not a prediction because I, I don't—I don't like to predict, obviously. <laughs> but but I, my hope—I mean, this is a hope for me, and, and this is what keeps me going because I'm working on topologic. You know, I work on it day and night. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm privileged, as I always say, I'm really privileged because I have a day job and I have a, I have an income, so I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to make money out of topologic. I don't have to sell it, which is fantastic. Because you know you can just use it as a hobby and and keep pushing it as as long as as it takes. Uh, but as I said, my my hope is that through these types of you know interviews and, and chats with you and others, and putting stuff on Twitter because I'm very active on Twitter, maybe too yeah. active. I want to change people's perceptions of uh, what is possible with the current tools. I mean, they, you know, a lot of students kind of just accept that this is the state of the art, and they don't realize how far behind we are and that there is a, a different way of doing it. So I think uh, us technologists who are, who are developing these tools and know that there is a better way, uh, even before we invent those tools, if we at least communicate the vision for how the AAC industry uh, could evolve and how we could do things better, uh, if we do that, that is a great service. I think this is even perhaps more important than creating the latest whiz-bang uh, tool. Because once you talk about it, once you talk about an idea, it's there and it will be implemented. It will happen in the future. But if you don't talk about it, um, it might never materialize. So that's, that's what I, I see my role actually is, I chew pe people's ears off about you know, how you should you know, postpone complexity, how you should be strategic, how you should ask the, more of the software. You should ask the software to tell you more information. And it's these types of ideas that will find will be implanted in people's minds, and then hopefully they will uh, set, act on them later on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Not to, and it's it's totally true. Like uh, one of the reasons of uh, just creating this uh, small uh, podcast that uh, is just about sharing uh, the value of using technology, the value of uh, 
changing the perception of uh, of uh, how we conceive design, how we approach design, how we want to interact with the design, and and trying to provide uh, an explaining to to users or to to the firms that are out there. Uh, how important and how valuable it is to use the data in, inside a model, inside a inside a project, and how can they also use them for their benefit? You know, not only uh, people that uh, we love the technology part of it just to sell it, but uh, to make everyone realize that uh, we still have a long road to uh, to become like a an industry, just like the car industry or just like yeah. the uh, automation industry that is way way ahead of us. That's totally true. And uh, we still have a long, a long gap, but uh, uh, the reason to share is just to try to, well, reduce the gap, uh, help people to, to see that technology is something that can be really friendly, really familiar, uh, easy to use as well. And, um, and uh, yeah, ch- hoping that we can change cities uh, by using them. <laughs> I, I hope so. I mean, as I said, this is exactly why I think uh, podcasts like yours and others are, are really important. I, I really thank you for, we're pursuing that because you know we we need to discuss these ideas definitely yeah totally so thanks Wasim, for being with us today i hope that everyone out there like uh listening to this uh can take a look to topology knows the value of topology uh there's already i think like good amount of material uh in the social networks uh about how can you use topology there's plenty of, of examples uh, in the website we will leave the link in the in the in the podcast for everyone to visit know more about topology uh, amazing tool that uh wasim and and everyone that has collaborated with him uh they've been building and they if you actually know the value of it i think you will find it quite useful for to apply to any type of workflow that you are looking at the end of the day uh creative creativity doesn't doesn't come with technology that's something that everyone has and if you know how to use topology, definitely you can create definitely really, really cool things to use uh, that will make your life way easier. So highly recommend it. And, uh, and thanks for uh, being with us today, Wasim. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Uh, Ready? Yeah, we...